I just love that. Isn't that great? I mean, where else can you get the Messiah and Arby's in the same place? That's, that's just the way God made it, I think. I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, I, I, I do, I always love, I, obviously, I, I, I like everyone, I love Handel's Messiah, particularly certain parts of it. It's hard for me to read the passage that we're going to look at today without almost singing it. I, I will refrain, but um, it, because, you know, when you get into this, for unto us a child, it, it just, it's just uh, when you've been, heard that so many times, it just kind of rings into your, into your heart. It's such a great uh, arrangement when you think about uh, the timelessness of that classic Handel's Messiah. And right there in a the food court. I mean, wow, that's just great. Uh, anyway, uh, well, good morning, first of all. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, I'm honored again to be kicking off our, uh, our Christmas series, The Arrival, as we talk about the promise. Now, you're going to have to help me with this because I, I need you to, to think here for a moment. I want you to pretend that you're living in, oh, let's say 700 B.C., or if you're one of those politically correct people, 700 BCE, before the Common Era. Well, I'm not, so I'll just say BC. Um, and, you're, uh, and I tell you what, since you're living in 700 BC, let's make you Jewish, because we don't want you to be... If you're not Jewish at 700 BC, you're some heathen savage, okay? And because there's no other world religion, per se, other than Judaism. Um, at that point, you know, all the Eastern religions have yet to be discovered, and Islam's not even on the, on the planet at this point in time. So it's Judaism. It's either that or being a heathen. So we, want you to be, we don't want you to be a heathen. So you're, you're living 700 B.C.-ish, and you're living in Israel, and you're, you're a good Jewish person. And um, to get you into the culture, it's dark. Um, the Olympic Games won't be discovered for another almost 100 years, so there's not any games per se. Uh, about this time going on, Italy, Rome really hasn't been founded yet, um, but Italy is there, and there's a new thing going on in Italy about this time, uh, a new vehicle, which is really, and they have a big showroom with these new vehicles, and I don't know about that. Oh, I may have added that. Um, but they have these new vehicles, they're called chariots, and people are like, oh, that's never going to last, you know, and... Um, it's just, it's just that, it's just that. Time. But you live in a, you live in a very dark, bloodthirsty culture. Uh, if you are living at that time, you're used to seeing people come in. At this particular time, the Assyrians have come in and wiped out your people for the most part and taken you into slavery. But that's nothing new because it's, it's not the Assyrians. It's the, whatever the latest nomadic tribe that might come through the era might be the area, and uh, it's uh, at that particular time. Uh, might versus or might makes right. If you have the strength, you are going to be right, and you will take people. And when you conquer people, they are your slaves. That's how it works. So you're not really living a happy life. You're not really. You're just. You're not playing. You're just trying to survive. And it's dark. It's dark. And then this guy Isaiah, he's a he's a, a preacher, a, 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 a prophet, a rabbi. You hear him every so often. He comes around your area and he talks, and and uh, and he's and he he's he's saying things like this. Nevertheless, there will be more gloom. There'll be excuse me. There'll be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Well, that's you. You're in distress, and he's saying there's not going to be gloom. 
And he starts talking about this, this person that you've heard about all your life, since, since you were in Hebrew school, or the equivalent thereof at that time. This person called the Messiah. He starts talking about that. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. He's got your attention now, doesn't he? On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have, in, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Joy? What in the world is joy in my culture? No joy. Everything's about survival. Wow. He's got your attention. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. You know what that means because you've seen that. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. You've seen that too, usually on the other side. And you're the plunder normally. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, and you remember that because you've, been, you've studied your history and you know, you've been told your history at least, and, and you know that Midian was defeated by the children of Israel many years before this, and it was a joyous day in, in the land of Israel. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. That's who they were, these people who conquered you. They were always the oppressor and did whatever they wanted to whom they ever wanted, and they were, you were their slaves in any way, shape, or form. Awful, awful world to live in at that time. And then Isaiah just starts saying this, and you know exactly what he's talking about because you've heard about it from your mom and your dad and your grandparents and great-grandparents all of your life. You've heard about this this person called the Messiah is going to come. And so Isaiah, this local rabbi slash preacher slash, slash prophet, starts saying this, for unto us a child is born. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. In other words, he's going to straighten out the world. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, four things. I want to take those four things because I want you to see, the thing I want you to see in this promise of this, the arrival and the, and the promise of this Messiah is pretty amazing. There's four different elements to the Messiah in this particular passage. I, I, I don't know, I didn't talk to him, but I, I have a feeling that's one of the reasons why, why uh, Handel decided to make this part of his music. Um, amazing. It would have been interesting to be in on that, wouldn't it? But he starts off with wonderful counselor, of course. There's a, a, some, some translators put that as um, extraordinary strategist. That's a different way, a different strategy for living, not just in fear, not just in, 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 in danger of, oh my gosh, you know, in fear and all the other stuff that goes along, but, but a way of living that would involve love and grace, and peace, something that's a very foreign concept to you if you're living in 700 B.C. He says, wonderful counselor. This, this, is, this is a Lord who can, a, a Messiah who can help me with the temptations of life. He can counsel me with, he can give me a new way of you know, strategic living through the temptations of life that I have. That, that's what he's talking about here. And without without blinking, I want to just take a quick turn into the New Testament, which explains what this wonderful counselor is or who he is and what he does. And I would take you to Hebrews chapter 4, because it just tells us here about this, this priest. Chapter 4, verse 14 of Hebrews, that is why we have a great high priest. That's Jesus, the Messiah, who has gone to heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us cling to him 
and never stop trusting Him. This high priest of ours, watch this, watch this. He understands our weaknesses, for He faced all the same temptations we do, yet He did not sin. What are your biggest temptations? Think about it. For some of you, it might be anger. For some of you, it might be greed. For some of you, it might be lust in some form or another, maybe, for, uh, maybe in, a, in a sexual way, maybe in a material way. Lust for a lot of things. Lust for the latest piece of technology. Oops, now I'm confessing, aren't I? Um, <laughs> believe me. That's one of them, but I got far deeper ones than that, and I'm not going to share them with you. Um, <laughs> um, whatever, whatever your thing is, and it may be more than one thing. If you're like me, you get a, you get, you, you, you kind of get one that you kind of get, you kind of conquer, and then something else pops up. You're like, come on, you know? It's because we're all fallen and desperately need the Messiah in our lives. Um, whatever it is, he faced all the same temptations we do. Yet he did not sin. And, and, and it's almost, not almost, it's as if you go to the Lord, and, and, and I've done this so many times, and I said, Lord, I, need, I really need help in this area. And, and I don't hear any voices or anything, but it, it's like the Lord is, is saying, basically, I understand. I had that temptation. Of course, he didn't give in to it, and I may have, or may but he never did. That's why we can go to Christ, the Messiah. Keep reading here. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Some Bibles read, when we need it the most. This wonderful counselor that we have can relate to our issues of life. And there's a couple things I want you to see here. Number one is we can go to the Messiah, to Christ, at any time. He's our high priest. You don't need anybody else to go to God. You don't need a, a pastor or a holy reverend. They call me that. No, they call me the very reverend somewhere. I kind of like that. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I got to tell you, I got to, there's a, where I play golf a lot, there's a caddy there. And they don't know what to do because my bag tag on my, on my golf bag, it says Reverend Rich Peters. I never put that on there. Somebody else does that because I've, I've never gone by Reverend until I, until I moved to the East Coast. And um, so I fought it for a couple of years, and I finally just gave up the battle. So there's, one, there's this one caddy, and he didn't, know what to, he didn't know what to call me, whether Reverend Teeters or Reverend Rich. They finally, finally I think they settled on the Rev. They called me Rev. But, but this one caddy doesn't know what to call me. So he calls me. Are you ready for this? Every time he sees me still to this, he says, Your eminence. That. I love that. Remember that, all right? Your eminence. <laughs> I just, I was with somebody the other day, walking, we just have lunch, I walked over to the green or something, and, and uh, he was there, he said, good afternoon, your eminence. And the guy with me was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, shut up, just, just, just deal with it. Anyway, we don't need, <laughs> we don't need a your eminence to go to Christ. We don't need a path. Listen, I'm happy to pray to Clay, Michael. Any of us are happy to pray with you if you need. And, and that's, that's a, that's, we love doing that. You don't have to, but we, we're happy if we can help. But you don't have to have that. A, a friend of mine, a, 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 she told me one time, that the greatest discovery they learned when they started learning more about who Jesus is and who the Messiah is, that they didn't need 
anybody, to, they could go directly themselves to Christ. And that's, that, he's our high priest. He is. So that, that's the issue here. Don't, don't, don't miss that. That's just such an important issue. Not only you can go anytime, anytime that you want and that you need to go to Christ, but you can take, you can go, you can take anything to the Lord, whatever He does. We will receive grace to help us. Come boldly to the throne of God, whatever it is. You're having problems in your personal life, in your in relationships. You can take that to Christ. You can, you can, you're having problems with your husband or your wife, or maybe you're not married and you have a good friend. You can pray. You know, one of the things I always do, I did a wedding yesterday afternoon, which was really a good thing because it made me miss a, 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 a stupid football game that was on. But... <laughs> Uh, for those of you who didn't know what that means, I'm a big Alabama fan, and it was just a really bad night. Um, um, and so, and one of the things I always say at a wedding, I've married a few people here too, uh, one of the things I always say at a wedding is, you know, you, before I do the vows, that you can't change him. You can't change her. But you seek to be the person that God wants you to be, and you'll be the right person for that husband or that wife. And that's true in any relationship, if you're not, if you're not married. We, we, we can ask God to work in other people's lives, and, and most of all, in my own life. Because usually when somebody needs changing, more times than not, it's usually me. And we can go and we can boldly approach the throne of, of, of gracious God, with, with, and he, he, we will find mercy. And so many times we need it. Wonderful Counselor. About four years ago, I was in a real dark spot. A lot of stuff was going on here that I won't go into detail about now. And, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and I, I didn't, you know, a lot of things were just popping up in my brain and in my heart. And I didn't know what to do. And it was almost it was four years ago this coming January. And um, I did what I do often. I've done it many times since. I just happen to remember this one vividly. Um, I went, you know, laugh at me, but I went to, it was, it's January, I'm not playing golf, but I went to my golf club and parked my car and got a big heavy coat and Jan- just started walking and praying. I still do that. And when I pray, I, you can probably imagine, I've, I've, I'm a verbal person. I, I, I have to process things verbally, so I, I need to get alone and just talk to God out loud. And I do. Sometimes I cry, sometimes I yell, sometimes I am silent. And I just said, God, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, I don't know if I like it or not, but, you know, I don't think you're going to check with me <laughs> to make sure I'm okay with it. Um, but I just prayed and I just poured my heart out. I just, just walking, you know, just walking and talking to God, nobody else. About an hour, hour and a half I was out came back. And you know, somewhere in there, I didn't hear any voices, didn't hear any thunderclaps. Somewhere there, I just felt the presence of God as if He was saying, don't worry about it, Rich, I got you. I got you. I was like, okay. I have to do that frequently. That's the part of the wonderful counselor that we have in our Messiah. The Messiah is coming for us. The Messiah is here. He's going to change your life. If you'll let him. 
that's the wonderful counselor part. The second part is, 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 a, is a contrast. Because he goes from wonderful counselor to mighty God. So we go from the, the, the God who, who talks to me when I'm on a walk, or sitting, kneeling, or praying, or however I want to do that, to the God who's the mighty, powerful God of the universe, almighty. And, and what I want to do is, this is a God who is holy, yet he's loving and compassionate and cares about us. But he's holy and just. Uh, I, later on, this same rabbi, the same prophet, Isaiah, uh, talks about some of these characteristics of God in Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to go there. I'm going to read a bunch to you here and you can follow along. I often go to Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, as many times as I've read it, it just always is comforting to me because this is the Lord God who loves me and who cares about me. I'm just going to pick it up in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10. Just follow along with me. I'll have a few comments to make. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. His recompense, his recompense accompanies him. In other words, he brings his reward and the consequences with him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Remember last week, if you were here, uh, Clay, our pastor of a spiritual formation, talked about the 23rd Psalm. You can hear it on the podcast if you didn't hear it. And how, how, what a tender, loving God we have, how he is like a shepherd. Here he... He's a sovereign Lord, and then he says in the next breath, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have, that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who's held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a basket? Who's done all that? That's how big God is. Picks up all the beaches in one hand, you know, figuratively speaking, oh, there's, you know, and, and, and pours them out like we would, like a handful of, of, of sand. It's amazing. Whom, uh, verse 14, whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Nobody, because he's God, eternal. From the beginning to the end, he's been eternal. God never had to learn because he's always been. He's eternal in his existence. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands. Get that picture. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? All the nations, you know. To what image will you liken him? Do you not know? Verse 21. Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? Verse 22, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Remember that in your history back in uh, the times of Columbus before he discovered America? A lot of people believe the earth was flat. I'm going to read the Bible. Right here it is. He's enthroned above the circle of the earth. 700 years before Christ we learned that. It's amazing. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes uh, to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. He then says in verse 25, To whom will you compare me, who's my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Now watch it. I'm going to stop here just for a second. Um, this next part I want to read again. And then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I often say to myself after I read these verses, because these are, these are verses that I just love. So, so just, just, just follow. He says, he says to whom you, who, 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 who you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Who created all these? Watch this. 
He who brings out the starry host one by one calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Interjection. So, Rich, what's your problem? This is your God. I often tell myself that. Tell me your problem again. Your little petty problem. Verse 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Watch this. Watch this. Real, this is real key for a lot of you. And his understanding no one can fathom. Have you ever had questions about why God does or allows some of the things that he does? I have. I've even questioned him a few times. He hadn't answered me yet. Why, God? He says, his understanding no one can fathom. There's a great quote. I've used it many times because I love it so much. It's from a, from a mentor of mine. I never met him, but he was a mentor. He mentored me through books and tapes. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones from uh, the UK. When he talks about not understanding the ways of God, listen to what he says. I'm just going to read it to you. He says, Dr. Jones says, realize before you ask your questions and put forward your arguments based upon your failure to understand that you are assuming that your little mind is capable of understanding what God does. Realize that you are really suggesting that you, simple creatures such as you are, small and petty as you often are in your human relationships, you who listened to the devil and brought ruin upon yourself, realize that you are claiming that your pygmy mind is able to understand the infinite and inscrutable mind of the eternal God. I love that. And I love that when sometimes in some of our groups, in some of our men's groups, some guys will say, well, you know, I don't think God, I don't, I don't understand how God would do that. And I love saying, yeah, you and your pygmy brain can understand God, can it? And they think I'm being abusive. Um, maybe I am. But uh, the truth is, I tell myself that all the time, too. What makes you think you and your pygmy brain can figure out who God is? He's the God of the universe. Are you kidding? It's amazing. Keep reading. I'm going to go back to Isaiah 40 because he, he, go, he, he, makes, a, he makes a movement here. He, he says, no one can understand him. He's, he, he, no, you know, he will never grow tired. He'll never grow weary. And then he says, ergo, therefore, verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God will give us strength, he says. This God, this mighty God, will give us his strength as we ask for it. This is a God to be feared with reverential fear. This is a God that we are to hold in awe, but he gives us his strength as we need it and as we ask for it, particularly at those, those times when we need it the most. The arrival of the Messiah will be life-changing. Can I interject something here? The arrival of the Messiah has already happened. And he'll, he can change your life now. You're not living in 700 B.C. You're living in 2013. Will you let him? Will you let him? Two conflicting things there. We have wonderful counselor. We have mighty God. One is... 
He's going to come alongside of me in my walks and my prayer time. Number two is he's almighty, all-powerful God. How do we put these two together? How do we kind of, kind of synchronize these a little bit? Well, the third, the third title of the Messiah helps us do that. So we've got you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Everlasting father. Someone who completely understands the big picture. He completely, and, and this is the thing, um, we have a God, we have a God who can make a difference in changing people, working in circumstances. We, we serve that kind of a God. And, and, and here's, here's the issue when we think about this, and this is something, God looks at things, the big picture, not just what happened last week or last month or last year or the last decade. There are a few advantages to growing a little older. You'll have a little gray hair. I don't dye my hair, by the way. Um, there are a few advantages. Not many, but there are a few. And one of them is this. You have the advantage of time to be able to see how certain things that you thought were just going to be a disaster and maybe were at the time, but how God turned that as you, will, as you prayed and allowed him turned that into something really good. This is the everlasting father part of who, of who the Messiah is. He has the benefit of taking those things that I've done wrong that are my fault, those things that are somebody else's fault, those things that are nobody's fault, those things that, that, that just happen, and still being able to build that into the fiber of the story, of, of, of the story within a story that is being written in my life and in your life. And that's pretty amazing. That's pretty encouraging. That's why I will say it again. The arrival of the Messiah will change your life. Will you let him? Think about the everlasting Father. We, we, we have questions, I realize that. We don't always understand. We don't always know. There's a great story that I love about um, Mrs. Albert Einstein. Somebody was interviewing her one time and said, Mrs. Einstein, do you understand all of the uh, mathematical equations of Dr. Einstein? She says, no, but I understand Dr. Einstein. I love that. Somebody asked me, do I understand all the eternal equations of prayer and certain things that happen that don't happen of, of an almighty eternal God? No, I don't. But I'm learning through this journey of life to understand God better. And the more I understand Him, the more I have the right view of Him, the better and the easier it is for me to trust Him. That's the issue here. We're never going to understand everything. It's knowing Christ, understanding Him. Spurgeon, the great preacher in the 1800s, put it this way. I love this. Remember, there is nothing that happens in your daily life but what was first of all devised in eternity and counseled by Jesus Christ for your good and in your behalf, that all things might work together for your lasting benefit and profit. Oh, how strange providence seems to you and to me. Does it not look like a zigzag line this way and that way, backward and forward? Ah, my brethren, but to God, it is a straight line. Directly, God always goes to his object. And yet to us, he often seems to go around and about. Let us learn to leave providence in the hand of the counselor.
So we have wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, and then the prince of peace. This is a, this is a simple one, really. You're going you're gonna to get about, I don't know, 100, 200 Christmas cards in the next four weeks that's going to say, let there be peace on earth. Can I help you with that? There's never going to be peace on earth. I'm sorry if that comes as a newsflash to you, okay? <laughs> There's never going to be peace on earth. Not in this lifetime. I mean, pray for it and, and strive for it. And if you ever are given the opportunity to help, help there be a little more peace on wherever your piece of earth happens to be, I would encourage you to do that. But that, that's not what this is saying. The Prince of Peace is the Messiah is going to give us peace with our Creator, Almighty God, in knowing who He is and allowing Him to, to put peace into our lives, the peace of knowing who God is and that He loves me and that He sent His Son to die for me and be raised again so that I could trust in Him for the forgiveness of my sins and my, all my stuff, of which is a big load. The peace of knowing that when my time, my time is up on earth, I've just been with people for this a few times, that I can say, okay, I'm ready. I have the peace of knowing who God is. I mean, I want to be, you know, my mother used to always say, and she went home to be with the Lord less than just a little over two months ago. And she used to always say, I don't really want to suffer, but I, I know Jesus. And I'm, I'm ready to be with him. I pray that we all can have that as we understand who Christ is and who the Messiah is. Here's the thing. I want to tell you very quickly. Um, these guys missed it. The, the, those of you, you know, if you're still taking you back to 700 B.C., they missed it. They thought Jesus was going to come. They had Jesus in a box, Messiah in a box. They thought he was going to come and set up a kingdom and be the king like the president or the king, and he's going to, you know, get rid of all the bad people and, and exonerate all the good people, and there's going to be a kingdom on earth, and he's going to be the president or the king or whatever you want to call it. They missed it. They had him in a box. He was more about the internal kingdom and the eternal kingdom. And it's still the same way today. Some people put Jesus in a box. They say, well, this is, this is, I think Jesus would do this. Well, I think Jesus would do that. Well, you know, I don't really care what you think. I know what the, here's the Bible. We'll go to the Bible. It tells us. And the Messiah, the Messiah came because he was about your internal life and your eternal life with him. The, the arrival of the Messiah will change your life if you'll let him. I want to read one last couple of verses to you because from talks about Jesus becoming a, a, a person at, at, at Christmas time. I'm going to talk about this passage again on Christmas Eve. We've got a lot planned for Christmas throughout between now and, and Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve, we're going to have three services, five, six, and seven. You'll hear more about that. And, and one of the things I'm going to talk about on Christmas Eve is this Philippians 2 passage. And it goes like this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the likeness, and, and, excuse me, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus came as a baby. 
when we celebrated Christmas so that he could die on a cross and be resurrected again on what we celebrated Easter. The arrival of the Messiah will change your life if you'll let him and accept him. Cross the line of faith. Say, Lord, I, I, I want to trust you right now. That's all, that's all it takes. It's amazing. The arrival of the Messiah will change your life if you let him. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your love and for your grace and, the, and, and, and for the Messiah. How you came as, as, as the one who is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We thank you for that, for the love that you have uh, made available to us. We pray that the Spirit of God would work in all of our lives and help us to take these truths and allow them to be um, cemented into our hearts and into our minds. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.